You're listening to News Radio KMAN. Now back to the game with Mitch Fortner, David G, and Troy Coverdale. It's hour two of the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, and Travion Berkland. The game after work. The game after dark. All right, spontaneous game we're going to play here. Because I looked it up. Today is National Trivia Day. I love trivia. Who doesn't love trivia? So I've looked up some random trivia questions. It's in the category of entertainment, something everybody can play along with. And uh, the first to three wins. Who wants to go first? There's no stealing. Well, I'll, I'll allow steals. No, okay. I'll allow steals. Oh, I'll let the heck. I'll go first. All right, Troy. Here Age is your first hair. Here's your first question. In the uh, <laughs> the category entertainment, what is the name of the sarcastic housekeeper on Two and a Half Men? Would you believe that I'm not a fan of the show? So rarely ever watched it. So I'm going to have to pass. Funny lady, I have no idea. Berta. Berta. Okay. okay. All, All right, right, Trey. When it debuted, what Fox series was promoted as, quote, weekly nationwide criminal manhunt? On Fox. Oh, I don't know. America's Most Wanted. That is correct. Okay. Troy leads one nothing, and now Troy is in control. Troy. Who was the voice of Mr. Potato Head in Toy Story? Oh, come on. Easy. I'm a whiff, I'm whiffing on that one because I, I know it and can't think of it right now. Don Rickles. No. That is correct. We're tied I, at one. I really should have known that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This might be a tough one, but Trey, you might know this one. In the movie Easy Rider. Have you seen it? Not all the way through, but I know what it is. Where did Wyatt and Billy hide their drugs? I don't know. I'll pass. Troy? That's a pass on on my part as well. That was in their gas tanks. In their gas tanks. I wanted to say, like, saddlebags, but, yeah, (laughs) I knew that that wasn't going to go. All right, Troy, the next question just happens to be a, a sports question and baseball. In the first televised baseball game. Mm. The Cincinnati Reds played who? The Pittsburgh Pirates. That is incorrect. Trey, you want to take a guess? Dodgers? I don't know. That is correct. Really? How about that? Oh, Brooklyn Dodgers. The Brooklyn Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. Good thing you didn't say L.A. And Trey is up two to one. <laughs> That's crazy. And Trey is in control. I Okay, so this next question I actually just heard about very recently. Who did Steven Spielberg originally have to play Dr. Alan Grant in Jurassic Park? I heard this in a podcast recently. Don't know. This is a tough one. Mm-hmm. Troy, again, you're going to skip here? Yeah, I'll pass. That'd be Harrison Ford. Oh, okay. Was originally yeah. supposed to play. I could see him in that. Makes sense. All right, let's see what we got here. Some of these are actually pretty. These are pretty tough. Mm-hmm. All right. Who? It's uh, Troy's turn. Yep. Which actor was 
The Postman. Kevin Costner. That is correct. We're tied at two. The next point wins. I just got to find the right question. Here we go, Trey. For the win. Red, the character Red, had how many parole hearings throughout the course of the movie The Shawshank Redemption? I have absolutely no clue. For a second, I thought you were going to say Red from Fraggle Rock. You want to take a guess? You said how many? Yeah. Red Uh had how many parole hearings throughout the course of the movie The Shawshank Redemption? Four? I don't know. That is incorrect. For the win, Troy. Three. That is correct. Congratulations. How about that? Troy wins... Our spontaneous game of trivia <laughs> on National Trivia Day. Definitely you know spontaneous. I just might make that a thing. I'm going to randomly, <laughs> with random categories, just spring upon you a trivia game. Because I, I think that's actually pretty fun. I can't believe I got that Dodgers one. That was just completely... But the final score, Troy 3 and Travion 2. Again, it's our 2 of the game. And coming up in just a few moments, Ooh. we're going to hear from Athletics Director Gene Taylor... Go ahead. Uh, Utah running back Micah Bernard has entered the transfer portal. There's another name that you might add to that list from last hour when we were talking with D.Y. I'd like to hear uh, how many years of eligibility he has. He might might be thinking uh, Alabama or, or, uh, let's see here, um, Ohio? I'm not sure. Yep, could very well be. Definitely thinking Alabama. Uh, Three, Three years eligibility. All right, so... The record-breaking game last night. I was very distracted in the second half with K-State's 116-103 victory at number 6 Texas. The most points ever scored in a K-State men's basketball game in program history. I didn't get to watch a whole lot. of. I didn't play close attention to the second half because I was too busy tracking all these potential record-breaking stats that K-State was putting together, which really all had to do with the final score including if you combine the points, it was also the highest scoring game in in K-State basketball history when you combine the points. It was not the highest scoring Big 12 game. I believe it fell into third. It's definitely the most points in a Big 12 game in regulation. Now, the two games that were, uh, were scored more, that scored more, one went to four overtimes, one went to five overtimes. And those games, did. it wasn't like they were 20 or 30 points more than this K-State-Texas game. It was more like seven or eight points. It was, a, it was a slim difference. But this is what I'm calling a freak of nature game. Both teams were just shooting lights out. Hardly any defense was played. But holy crap, was it entertaining. Such a record-breaking moment, Travion. I feel like we need to play... Some celebratory music for the Cats being 13-1, and 2-0 and in Big 12 play, and they've knocked off a couple of top 25 teams in a row. It's time to get set for the Cat Attack. You can feel the excitement, you can feel it coming on. For Kansas State, the feeling's growing strong. 
You can join in the action. This is where you wanna be. With Kansas State, come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Kansas State, the fun is being there. Having a good time there. Purple and white we share. Showing our colors Hey now, yeah, you can feel the excitement literally. I mean, Twitter was blowing up. There was somebody, I'm not going to point out their name because they were providing a very good service, which was also probably illegal on Twitch. You just had to be there for it. If you weren't, better luck next time. Get a Twitter account if you need to. It's not everybody at the Longhorn Network, (laughs) but a very, very awesome cat out there provided a very great service. Record-breaking performance. So including most points ever against Texas. The previous record for K-State against Texas was 87. That was back in 1971. A lot of these records that were broken broke records for for times I was not alive for, including the previous record for most points versus a top 10 opponent was 95. At number four, Oklahoma. On February 13th of 1988. This one I was alive for. Previous record for most points just against a ranked opponent. Top 25 opponent was Xavier in the NCAA tournament. The game that went to overtime. Because Xavier in the final poll was number 25 in the country. Previous record for most points in a conference game for K-State was 114. Hosting Nebraska. On the 1st of January, or take that back, the 10th of January of 1987. Now, this is one of the closest records I was looking at as the game went on in the second half, especially when all the free throws were happening late in the game. The previous record for most points in a road game was 108. (laughs) They beat that by eight points. That was a game at Iowa State. And you got to go all the way back to 1975 for that game. And then finally, of course, like we had mentioned before, this was the most points scored in a game by K-State ever. The previous record, they beat it by one, and it happened a couple of times. 115 points against Delaware State, December 7th of 1991. And if I remember correctly, this was also 115 in the Fresno State game where Ski went off for 62 points. Yes. I have to double-check that, but I'm pretty sure that was also tied for the record. Uh, nobody scored 62 points last night. Nobody got close to 62 points last night. But Marquis Noel was the leading scorer by quite a few points. Th- 36 points, a career high, with nine assists, three steals, three rebounds. He shot 60% from three-point range. He was 9 of 15 from the floor. He hit six threes, perfect from the free-throw line. He had one, uh, one uh, turnover. In the game, yeah, 28 from Keontae Johnson, 17 from Cam Carter, 11, Naquan Tomlin, Abayam Ejolola with 10, 8 from Ish, I take that back, 8 from uh, Desi Seals, 4 from Ish, and then 2 points from Tyke Green. I never would have guessed that K-State would be getting to 
80 points right. in this game because of the foul trouble early. Naquan Tomlin picks up a second foul very early. Exceptionally early. And he doesn't play. I don't know if he came back in in the first first half. I'm not sure if he did or not. Now, who did return after picking up two fouls was Abayami Ishiola. So you got your two bigs, which are already a little bit in trouble due to uh, because of depth, because David Gasson is not playing. Mm-hmm. He's out with an injury. He has not missed the first two games in Big Twelve play, and so you're now you're down all your bigs. You have to really adjust, and there was no way, especially I mean, Drum Tanks talked about this before that. If you pick up two fouls, there's still a chance you're going to get back in the game. Right. He's just not a big believer in sitting for the rest of the half and just getting. And now you're you're cold when you come back in for the thir- for the second half. He, he's there's a chance he's going to play you. So Ish Masu had to play a lot more minutes. I noticed like a lot of people were getting upset about Ish Masu. He still did a couple of nice things. He just didn't do well offensively. Struggled offensively. It did take a couple of charges. I will take that. Had four rebounds in the game. And then the second half comes around, and the Cats found a way to score 58 points in that first half. It's because they're shooting lights out. To shoot 58% and knock down eight three-pointers in the first half against Texas is a heck of an effort. I was I was a little surprised that Texas's defense was not very good. Mm-hmm. K-State was swinging the ball exceptionally well. And also, I thought when guys were driving, getting towards the paint, running into trouble, their kickouts were phenomenal because it wasn't to the guy you thought it might go to and then they could just swing pass. It was actually going to the more wide-open player. That's where they were getting a lot of those open shots, and Texas was not closing out. Something that Jerome Tang brought up in the postgame conversation with Wyatt Thompson on radio last night was that they felt that they wanted to get out and run facing the pressure but once they got past the first level of pressure didn't want to set up their offense and give Texas the opportunity to press secondarily and so that would be why you were looking at the more direct outlet pass as opposed to swing passes they were looking to be very direct with what they wanted to accomplish and the way to do that was actually, for for all of our talk about look for the extra man, in this case it was no extra man, make it direct, get it right to the guy. But I love that because of this game, and it was a game with no defense. And that, I mean, it, it was bothering me for a little while there. Sure. I was like, I, it's like, can we get a stop? There was a time where Texas made 11 straight field goals. Right. And a lot of them were at the hoop. I was like, guys, like, yeah. we're just kind of falling asleep. Like some of those backdoor cuts and guys are driving to the hoop. I was like, even though K-State was doing the same, exact same thing, was not getting the the biggest effort from Texas defensively. Like, heck, let's just let's just make this a shootout. Right. Whoever scores the most points, great. We're just going to keep chucking them up there. We're going to see if they fall through. And the first team to go cold is going to lose the game. A poor defensive game like that, like it was for K-State, that is definitely not going to be this what this season is. And also on the flip side, you know, being extremely hot offensively. I mean, how many games are left in Big 12 play? 16? Yep. I mean, how many games is K-State going to eclipse 85? I don't think there's going to be a whole lot. Right. And so what I've been calling this game is the freak of nature game. Right. I mean, you're more likely to see a tornado in Alaska 
<laughs> and see such a high-scoring game like this. Tornadoes don't happen in Alaska, by the way. Maybe, maybe, maybe once a year. But what I loved about this is now, okay, now the fan base is really on the same page with this basketball team, is really intrigued by where this is going to go now. Because this was the number six team in the country. They just scored 116 on on the road. Gave them their first loss at the brand new arena. Now they've opened up Big 12 play with two wins against a top 25 opponent. Up next is Baylor on Saturday. Jerome Tang will face his former you know, head coach that he worked for for dang near two decades. And his former players in some that is still on the roster. Sure. But then the return game, the return game home. Oklahoma State, what is it, 6 o'clock Tuesday. And K-State's doing a promotion to sell tickets. Even though students are back yet, if you can't go, find somebody to take those tickets. I think we're going to finally get the Octagon of Doom back. Doom will officially return on January 10th. So if you don't have tickets, now is the time to go do it. Because now you're starting to see the fan base is completely bought in. Everybody was so jacked. They... Most of us have ignored the defensive effort. Mm-hmm. I think if there was a gripe, it was the sloppy turnovers in the first half. It got really sloppy there for a little bit. Yeah, K-State was able to hang on to an 18-point lead, and they were up double digits for most of the game. Fans are now going to really show up. The KU game is just a few weeks away. I think, I think with this game, the way it went down, and scoring all those points and just being insane offensively, that is what has officially brought the doom back to the Octagon of Doom. And I still want to make the argument, and I want to be more prepared, but I'm really feeling good about it. I want to go to bat for Marquise Noel. I love his leadership. He is an absolute pest to, mm-hmm. to opposing teams on both sides of the floor. I want to do my best to make the argument that he's the best player in the Big 12. He may not be the most talented when it comes to scoring the basketball, but I value a few more things than just points and rebound. Obviously, those are very important to the game, but so are a lot of other things. And a lot of those other things create the success in scoring the basketball. So uh, I think I'm going to go to bat for him tomorrow. We can talk more about that tomorrow, but when we come back, Let's hear from Gene Taylor, who spoke earlier today at the press conference, not only talking about the new volleyball coach, what's next for facilities for Kansas State University, thoughts on the football team, and of course, some thoughts on the new volleyball coach for K-State, Jason Mansfield. Up next on The Game. We are going around turn number four here on the game. Mitch Fortner, Trey Coverdale, and Travion Berklin. And apparently I am a little behind in the times because I did not realize until right now that Rolling Stone put out a list of the top 200 singers of all yeah. time. Yeah, it's not a very good list. Yeah, I've, 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 Controversial. I've, yeah, I've been, I've been running through it. I saw Aretha Franklin, Whitney Houston are one and two. Don't have any problem with that. Sam Cooke is number three. Pretty good. Uh, you know, sure. Michael Jackson is at 86, and Bob Dylan Whoa. is at 14. 
Yeah, Bob, Mike Mike Jack at eighty six, yes, and and crazy. Bob Dylan, who you barely can understand, yeah, fourteen or well, fifteen or whatever it was. Bob Dylan is a, an amazing songwriter. Oh, Agreed. I, I agree. will not argue that point whatsoever. As an actual singer, sucks. Yeah, we're not. I don't know yeah. if he sucks, but it, it, it's a it's it's he's different for sure. It, when you hear him sing, you know who it is. And that's what they say in the description for it. They're like, well, he's the most eclectic, eccentric singer of all time. And it's like, well, I guess, but like. Well, I mean, are we going off talent or are we actually just going off of accolades? If you're doing top singers of all time, you have to base it on their singing ability. Dude, they left Celine Dion off the list. That's crazy. Well, hearing Mike Jack is at 86 is insane to me. Um, and I also noticed here, uh, well, I'll leave it for later because I noticed uh, somebody who's in the top 20 will be our feature on the number one song of the day today. So I'll just leave it at that, but wish I had more time. Beyonce's <laughs> go- in the top 10, which I mean, Beyonce's a great singer, but I don't think she's top 10 of all time either. It would be interesting. ought to go through and, and double check how many of them are aided by... Auto-tune. Do a list right. of, yeah. yeah. Make a requirement in there that well, and I've, you, can't you be know, auto-tuned. You guys know I'm a big Selena fan. Yes. Mexican-American mm-hmm. yes. singer. And uh, who, who died when she was 23. She was murdered by her fan club president. I've always said I feel like she's better than Adele, and I see Adele here as a number 22. Hmm. Adele's a great singer. Mm-hmm. She's not better than Selena. She would be like 100. That's a, that's a case where in if, there's just so little uh, body of work for Selena. That's the flaw there Yeah, would be I the agree. argument. Rosalia? I, that, that's who's at number 200. I want to say who just barely got in, and I have no idea who that is. She's a top 40 Mexican-American artist. <laughs> Glenn Danzig got 199. Really? That's actually awesome. <laughs> I, hey, that's awesome. He's kind of a jerk, but good for him. Yeah, I didn't look that low. I was just looking at the hundred. That's awesome, actually. B- Billy Eilish got 198. Okay. Boy, no idea. Who else? Uh, Paul Westerberg. Okay. Uh, well, okay. From the um, replacements. There again, more so songwriter than singer, I would say. Kelly Clarkson as, as got much 194. As I, love the by I, the way. I think Kelly Clarkson's a little better than 194. Yeah, she's yeah better. Mm-hmm. I, I still can't believe Danzig's in there. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I was I was gonna I was gonna be very surprised to see any like any hard rock heavy metal uh, voices in here, even though that I think there's a bunch that definitely deserve to be in the top 200. Sure. Uh, first that comes to mind is Ronnie James Dio, but I don't know. Yeah, he should be in there. Is Ozzy in there? Ozzy would be a fantastic pick. Alicia Keys at one eighty five. She's a good singer. Where is Christina Aguilera on, on the list? In and out of love with this list. I would be interested right. to know where they positioned her if she's even on there. I don't think she should be even on there. But Bob Seger's one eighty one. I could just go through this list and just start naming off the ones that just kind of surprise me, either being on the list or they're placing. Uh, let's. I I don't know. Iggy Pop. Their Iggy Pop shows up on the list at one seventy six, right next to Lana Del Rey. Never would have compared them. 
<laughs> Ever. He's he's definitely like a how do you make a bottom like of the list choice though? Like he's legendary <laughs> for sure, but he's legendary for the way he is on stage as a frontman, not not, sure. not as a singer, but he's also very influential. He's especially. in a he's in a genre that you, you you don't like start comparing. Man, what a great singer that guy yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, I, yeah. Chris Stapleton's on there. Anyway, we need to move on, but I can't stop scrolling. Yeah, it's a Harry at 168. It's a fascinating list, mostly because I feel like Rolling Stone anymore, whenever they put out lists, it's more for the case of shock value and clicks than actual. Right. This is the definitive list of all time like they used to do. Right. Exactly. I think and and that's where the they've decided to become clickbait with these lists as opposed to what it used to be in the past. All right. Exactly. Ronnie James Dio is 165. That's really low. It is. That's. I think that's ridiculous. He's the greatest a hard rock singer of all time, probably. In my I opinion. would agree. When it comes to the actual voice, voice talent and range, his range is really impressive. I'm trying to find the next heavy metal guy or gal. Because I, I think maybe Joan Jett would show up on here. Uh, it's not loading now. All right, whatever. I, I got to get off this topic because George Strait, 156. Hmm. I, I keep scrolling and I can't get away from this. Troy, take my phone away. <laughs> Give me yours as well. Actually, uh, yeah, I'll tell right. You what. Yeah. Uh, here, let's let's get to this. Uh, this will this will buy me five or six minutes because Gene Taylor spoke to the media earlier today. Got a wide range of of questions, three or four topics, and they're kind of out of order. But I thought this was a very informative interview with Gene Taylor earlier today at the uh, Jason Mansfield press conference. When I looked at our schedule and talk about football here and kind of. Looked at the wins and losses. I, I thought we would be more in the neighborhood of eight. You know, if we got to break nine wins and and, and see what happens from there. But um, you know, just how we competed and then you know losing the like being up on TCU and losing. You know, there was just I thought that moment that we we're going to break through. And then once we beat KU and ended up in the in the Big 12 championship game, I thought we had a really good chance of winning it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I can't be more pleased at where we finished the season. You know? It wasn't what I expected, but I thought we were going to be way better than we were last year. And, then, you know, in this sport, it's just, you know, this break here and this break there, and then you end up winning 10 games instead of eight, and you end up in the Big 12 championship game, you know. So. Somebody asked me this the other day. I didn't know what the answer was. What What's next on the uh, facility, you know, for friends? That, I know you're almost done with some projects. Is there anything on the horizon after that? Yeah, the biggest thing is turning the current indoor into the indoor track facility. Okay. And so we're still kind of, we've got semi-early plans on that and some semi-early uh, estimates. And so now we're just trying to talk to some donors and, See, if we do have a donor that's fairly interested, we just haven't been able to close the deal yet. And then if we do get that happen, then we got to get that started. Because now Ahern's going to go away. we got to have some place for an indoor track. The indoor track will just be a 200-meter track with some bleachers, and so it'll be just a track facility. Yeah, yeah, because once we put an indoor track in there, there won't, there won't be any turf. And so the only indoor turf will be... Uh, the, the shamrocks in there. Well, going back to volleyball for a second, I mean, you mentioned kind of his re- his research on K State. Is that s- and a little bit on Coach Tang kind of being similar that way? Is that, was there quite a few similarities you kind of identified? In, in, yeah, yeah, there were. I mean, obviously, just somebody that's 
you, know, you want somebody to want to be here, right? Yeah. And, and so, sir, first of all, you can kind of pick up with that in an interview. And if they're really knowledgeable and you ask them a question, hey, what do you think we need to be successful? And they kind of go through what you have currently and what they've seen you do and what they think you need. I mean, it's pretty impressive, right? And Tang was very similar in the conversations we had with him. Obviously, he watched us play, and he'd been part of the Big 12. For somebody that had never been around our program, the homework that he did was really impressive. Um, and then to take that further, okay, how do you think help us get there? Well, then he used really good examples and, you know, talked about some connections he has to maybe fill some of the holes we have. And then when he talks about, you know, we, he always asks, what's your staff going to look like? Um, his ability with people that he knows and who he could bring in. Very similar to Tang. Tang mentioned some names that are currently on the staff. That everybody said, boy, if you can get those guys. So really similarities between his connections and his broad connections and his interest and knowledge of what we needed were really key. And, and being around the staffs at like Stanford and Washington and Illinois and having that national championship experience, was that a big, was that a big, a big thing for you or was that... Well, you know, it's it, obviously it's hard to get to, and you have a program like Stanford, that, you know, that built to that success. But um, certainly, that being able to build for that and coach for that and prepare for that, and prepare your athletes to play at that kind of level. I mean, you're going to gain that knowledge as an assistant that you create that opportunity here. Now, can you get to a national championship? Well, I don't know. Certainly, that's a, that's a long, big step. But if you're around that a lot and you know what kind of athlete that takes and what kind of preparation that takes, that's a big key from an experience perspective. I've had to raise funds for a lot of different projects and things at Kansas State when it comes to, like what we talked about, boosting money for coaches. Is that an easier thing to sell to, to boosters, or how does that work? Well, it's easier when you're successful and you go to a Big 12 championship, and it makes it easier when donors come up and say, hey, we can't lose this coach, we can't lose that coach, and, they understand it better, and you know they like I said they see the market change, and and they they, they know that you know we, they know what our budget's like, and they know it's got to come from somewhere. So when you approach them, they're usually a little bit more willing to listen. Have you ever had this kind of pattern before in hiring coaches with two assistants in a row that were assistants for a long time and finally ready to take the next step? Um, yeah, I did. I mean, I, at North Dakota State, the head wrestling coach was a longtime assistant that I hired. And then after Tim Miles left, I hired two back-to-back assistants that had never been head coaches. One was very successful. Is now uh, went to another program. And Dave, the guy that's in North Dakota State now, he's won a couple, been to a couple of NCAA tournaments. And Kleiman, he had been a head coach, but he'd never been, you know, he'd been only at, at uh, Loris College. So, so I've been kind of a, a little bit of that. You know, Craig Bull had never been a head coach when I hired him in North Dakota State. He'd been a defensive coordinator and. And he became head coach and very successful. So, I mean, not that I – and, again, in North Dakota State, it's a little different. Sometimes you – that is the step for them. So it's a little bit – that's kind of your pool. Here it's a little different. We had some head coaches. We had some sitting head coaches uh, for both the basketball position and this one. But you just kind of go with what you got at the end of the day and who you feel is be- the best fit. Do you feel like you've established a pretty good track record for hiring coaches, though? Well, you know, not, so far so good. <laughs> you know, we'll see. <laughs> You know, once we start patting yourself on the back, next thing you know, someone's slapping you in the face. So you got to be careful. But, uh, but yeah, I'm pretty pleased with. I mean, how things have gone so far. Absolutely. I thought that was a hell of a quote. Mm-hmm. As soon mm-hmm. as you start part- patting yourself on the on the back, somebody slaps you across the face. I don't know if you made that up on the spot or if that's a a, a known quote. But I was like, yeah, you start as I do it yeah. right now, pat yeah. myself on the back. I don't. I 
How am I supposed to defend a slap? It's not going to happen, <laughs> Troy. You could slap me right now, and you would connect so well. The CompuBox numbers would be off the charts for you with the, with the slap and while I pat myself on the back. Um, okay, so I went over that top 200 list, Rolling Stone top 200 singers. I, I was just trying to find the hard rock heavy metal folks. Ozzy at 112. Roger Daughtry at 109. Eddie Vedder at 105. Chris Cornell at 80. Robert Plant, 63. I also found George Michael, 62. Um, Mick Jagger at 52. And then Kurt Cobain at 36. The only hard rock heavy metal singer above Kurt Cobain would be uh, Freddie Mercury, who's in the teens. Kurt Cobain is not the second best hard rock heavy metal singer of all time. He's not. Definitely agreed. Legendary. Great songwriter. Great songwriter. Nirvana had amazing music. Kurt wasn't a great singer. No. He, he could he had a powerful voice, but like not in the way that like Freddie Mercury had a powerful voice. It's very different. He's I don't know. Also, you know, wasn't much of a front man. You know, Nirvana, you weren't gonna get the craziest show, most likely. I did like Chris Cornell on the list. I think he's the best grunge singer of all time. That's just me. I like him way more than Eddie Vedder. Mm-hmm. Um but I also feel Robert Plant is a top 50, at least a top 50. I feel like Chino from the Death Tones should be acknowledged. Not somewhere. sure if I saw him or not. Anyway, let, hey, Trey, I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll uh, do a little both. Number one song of the day. Ask us anything after these words. It's my heart on fire Burning with a strange desire And I know it's time I kiss you But your heart's on the fire too So my darling, please surrender I'm gonna be honest with you, we haven't done much Elvis for number one song of the day. The reason I kind of hold back is just because there's not a whole lot of interesting notes about his particular songs. Plus, to me, like, most of his great songs that I love the most, if they went number one, they were number one before the Hot 100 was a thing. Prior to August of 58. Yeah, that's a great point. But Elvis with Surrender 1961, two weeks at number one, the singer-songwriter... Actor from Tupelo, Mississippi, the king of rock, guys. The king of rock. And according to Rolling Stone, he's got a top 20 voice. One of the most six- significant cultural figures of the 20th century. Kind of had two singing styles, right? He does that, you know, the, the, the style you hear here. His crooning voice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know that, that voice. And then you have uh, Jailhouse Rock, where he's really belting. That's yeah. his better period, in my opinion. I agree. I thought that was better Elvis. It almost became... Return to Cinder. Where, where, where it, it almost became a character that he was <laughs> Jump, pursuing at jumpsuit, a point. Jumpsuit Elvis. Yeah, Elvis. definitely by that point. Uh, he was so commercial in many genres. He was known for his pop, his rock, his country, R&B, gospel... AC, that's adult contemporary. 
but he has also sold over 500 million records. He is the best-selling solo artist of all time. Died on the toilet, but that didn't stop him from earning the Lifetime Achievement Award by the Grammy Awards at the age of 36. And he was also inducted into the very first Hall of Fame class for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In 1986, he received the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2018. 23 studio albums, 63 top 40 hits. And I'm talking just from the Billboard Hot 100. He had plenty more before August of 58. And this was his fifth of seven number one hits. The singer just won, and Elvis, he just wants to his love to give in and surrender to his strong feelings that unite him to the other. Talking about his feelings and he wants to enjoy this night of magic that is offered to him asking for everything at the end yeah this was like some this was influenced by uh, italian folk song apparently there's this opera guy and torma a sorrentia sorrento or whatever the hell i don't know <laughs> i listened to it i was like i do not get this song from that song but uh, the Today Show, this is one of Elvis's 20 best songs, while Billboard says this is not in his top 40. So we can't agree on that either. I tell you what, though. Okay, so this is one of the shortest number one songs, but turn this up. The intro. I think it's what makes this great. Because I hear the James Bond theme for some reason. And I know it's a, it's not exactly that. It, that it's not. Dun, 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 it's not exactly that. I know that. But I just it it just kind of got stuck in my head earlier today that I'm hearing the James Bond theme, and the James Bond theme it. you know for Doctor No, which was the first James Bond movie. Sean Connery was a year later. I was like, did these those jabronis steal some Elvis? I. I, I looked into it, couldn't find a thing about it. I just it it's it they're different. They are different, but for some reason they sound the same to me. Do you know who wrote this song? Yeah, I do. Uh, uh, Doc Pomus. Okay, yeah, and, he did a lot of Elvis and songs. and Mort oh, Schumann. Okay, yeah, that those two. Yeah, they they both wrote a lot of Elvis songs. That were, Otis Blackwell did it as well. All right, Travion, I suppose I'll let you get us out when we need to get out, unless Troy has something to say. No, nothing new on the list. Anything good on Twitter? No, not really. <laughs> Just more of the infighting in the uh, in the Republican Party tied to the House of uh, House of Representatives. Oh, boy, Travion, careful with those recommendation questions. <laughs> hey, real quick, I actually wanted to hear, I, I, wanted, or I, I wanted to bring up a question that uh, I heard on Are You Garbage? I thought it was kind of funny. Have you ever dealt with a raw ham? I was like, you know what? I don't. I never have. I don't know if I've ever seen a raw ham. I've just, you know, honey baked ham, whatever ham you have for sandwiches. Mm-hmm. That's all I've ever dealt with. I, I think a select few have ever dealt with a raw ham. Raw? Do you mean having already been carved and or processed? I should say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm not talking about off yeah, the bone. Yeah, I'm, has anybody dealt with a pig? That's question number one. Question number two: Have you butchered the pig? Question number three: yeah. Have you dealt with the raw ham? Just as as its own. There we yeah, go. I broke it I, down for you. Yeah, that that's. I wanted to qualify that because 
I mean, if you're putting the ham into the oven, I mean, that what wouldn't that be raw ham that you're? Yeah, yeah, that's dealing with. But I, I'm just saying, like, I think most of us. I mean, have most of us ever seen a raw ham or dealt with a raw ham? Probably. Yeah. I don't think so. I'm the wrong person to ask. I don't make anything. That's just one of those meats that, you know, it's just. Hey, man, I just eat it. <laughs> and a lot of a lot of forms of ham comes already cooked. Correct. Yeah, I'm just saying. All right, go ahead, Travion. Going with the theme of Rolling Stone, who do you consider the greatest singer of all time, in oh. your opinion? Wow. Well, I Both would say male or female. I would go. Well, okay. Well, I mean, Freddie Mercury comes to mind. I think he is the greatest male voice of all time. Oh boy, female. Jeez Louise. I mean, I think Aretha Franklin is fair. Aretha really would be fair. Whitney Houston came to mind for me. Yeah. Selena. I mean, who who does not have Selena on their top five? Probably Rolling Stone. <laughs> they, they do not. <laughs> fair enough. Those, those hip jabronis. I've said jabroni a lot today. Yes, you have. I love that word. T- tells us what your mood is. What about you, Travion? I mean, my obvious choice is going to be Michael, but I think Stevie Wonder yeah. is a close second. I feel like he's got one of the greatest R&B voices of all time. Otis Redding is up there, too. I yes. love Otis Redding. What about George Michael? Have you ever heard a careless whisper? Great singer. How but does that not make you... It gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. Otis Redding, I think, is way better. I, I, I'm still a fan of Sam Cooke. Right. I couldn't care less about Sam Cooke. You got to watch his documentary. It's pretty good. Gad Travion. He's, um, he's good. He's good. Don't get me wrong. He's good. Female, I'd pick uh, Whitney Houston for sure. I like Mar- I like like aggressive Mar- singers. But Mariah Carey had more number ones. Eh. I know it's just singing. All right, go, <laughs> go ahead. What what do you have? Do you have anything next? Um, have you ever broken a bone? Yes, I have. I have broken a bone in my hand when I took a chair shot to the back in a little wrestling back in the day. Because I braced myself wrong. I didn't know what I was doing. Took a chair shot. It was pretty stiff. And when I braced myself, I broke a bone in my right hand. I had to ca- have a cast for six weeks. I couldn't play the new Call of Duty game for a month and a half. Oh, wow. I was Aww. 21 years old. How, do you th- how tough do you think that was? <laughs> tough. I also broke, uh, I broke one of my fingers rebounding a basketball. Because somebody else rebounded at the same time, but their hand came over mine. Mm-hmm. And basically like came over the top. Snapped a bone in half. It was a real freak thing, actually. Never have broken a bone. Neither have I. What? Yep. You guys need to live. It doesn't hurt that much. Uh, I feel like I fractured my toe, but it wasn't fractured by the time I had somebody look at it. But I that's did, the closest. I don't even know how this was possible, but running through the house when I was a kid, I was probably 12 or 13. I barely clipped a chair, and I broke my pinky toe. Oop. I, it was Painful. all the next day it was black and blue. That's yeah. how I knew. I was yeah. like, that's a good way of telling you broke something. I had a concern that I broke my ankle once in high school, but it was just a severe sprain. That was as far as it's gotten in terms of potential broken bones. Now, you want to know something that's more painful than breaking a bone? Bruising your tailbone. Yes. Oh, and I, maybe breaking is worse, but bruising your tailbone is some of the worst pain. I've ever, and what happened was, so sledding on a car hood, 
The guy that's dragging it decided to take it off a nice high ramp. I go flying, and I land on my tailbone, and I am screaming in pain for a good five minutes. The wood-finished staircase at my mother-in-law's house in socks. Lost my footing. Landed about two steps from the bottom. Did not break it, but yeah. Left myself hurting pretty good. You went sliding down. Did you go ass, ass over tea kettle? That's what we say in the wrestling no, business. No, I did not go. Were, no, I go over your head. No, and it wasn't a case of sliding down. It was literally one solid hit. I lost my footing and just went. Yeah, go break a bone sometimes. Really not that bad. Go cats. See you tomorrow.